you're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski. Jeff Bryant Davis is our guest on ADD Comedy. I've known Jeff since my days as producer for Quickwits, but Jeff is known for his excellent work on Whose Line Is It Anyway? He's been on Broadway in The King and I with Yul Brynner, right? Listen for that. The Sarah Silverman Show, The Norm Show, and he tours with Drew Carey and the Improv All-Stars. Jeff's the comptroller of Don Harmon's awesome podcast, Harmontown, right? Lucky. We talk about Jeff's journey to Whose Line, his time in jail, mm-hmm, and the joys that come from being freed from jail. Uh, i got to be honest with you, there's some sound issues with this podcast, but the quality of the chat is so good I didn't want to re-record. I thank you listeners for your understanding. Enjoy. I, I remember seeing, I've only seen two or three main stage shows in Chicago. And Paradigm was a doozy. That was the fucking best show. I swear to God. That's what I, I heard. I've yeah. done ten shows, and I did ten shows with those guys with Second City, and that I watched that show. It's like this is one of the finest fucking pieces. You I did ever ten seen. main stage shows. I did. Uh, I did four main stage shows, and I did. Uh, I did four main stage shows. And I did three shows in ETC, and I think did, I did three or four shows. At How long does a main stage run? Like each main stage is probably going to run f- three months to four months, because they want to have. Probably five months. Really? I've run shows that were five months there. And when you show that was five months, I mean, you, you've done shows. So when you run a show that's five months, after like three months, you go, I, I got to be present now because I'm just running on yeah. inertia. Right. Or, you know, repetition where you go, yeah. I know that he's going to look at me like this and, I, and I'm not present to it at all. And I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. When I was a kid, I was in a, sh- uh, a show that I, I did for a year and a half. I did almost 800 performances of. And the, a, a frequent note you would get was to remember what you're saying and because you now it's just you're, now you're just going click clack 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 like you're just making noise and and they're like um when you say that like p- pretend you're using actual sentences and actual words because like you're 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 sleepwalking i know the idea of pretend like, remember what you're saying it's like it's so important to remember what you're saying. i'm gonna see that okay good uh it's so important to remember what you're saying and because again you're doing if you do so this is the show that you did on broadway the the, uh, the king and i the king and i and you now your brenner uh who was the king obviously uh he had done when we were in, at the pantages when i was nine i think i had just turned 10 and he we we celebrated his 5000th performance and it was all these great old theater actors like Carol Channing was there and Rita Moreno was there and it was great. And I, I grew up watching and being in theater so I actually knew who these people were. And like there's Constance Towers and shit. Like, so it was, it was heavy hitting. And it was the 80s so Larry Hagman was there. Uh, <laughs> and then we were in New York. I had celebrated my 500th and then 750th and Yule celebrated his 5,500th. 5, but like he, there were, there were certain lines that you, that if you didn't know the script, you didn't know what he was saying. Because he was just saying these sounds. Right. I don't, but sure, if whatever you say. Like, uh, but no one's, right. been, no one's gonna give him the note. The no, Yule. no like, because <laughs> also, it also says that it's not about what it is that you say, it's about how you say it, you know, that sort of thing. It's like, it's not the words that you use, it's kind of like the tone that you use. But I find myself, you know, because even, like, I'm 42 now, and, that, and so I did that show from ages 9 through 11. I still have the actor's nightmare about The King and I. I'm my age, 
my costume doesn't fit because I'm twice as tall and I have to go on and do I Whistle a Happy Tune or whatever. And I know the words to the songs, but like, I, don't, I don't remember the dialogue leading up to it. Right. And so I still have the thing, it's like, why are you asking me to do this 30 years later? All right. <laughs> you know, what's so interesting about dreams is, is it, again, we get the feeling that, there's a feeling that when you have a dream, you go, that, that's the feeling that you feel at that moment that you're feeling that, right? Yeah. So, and the interesting thing about dreams too is it's so real and it's unlike improv, no, it's unlike scripted things, a dream, and follow me on this if you will, because there's no, there's, there's no first draft or second draft. A dream is the product that that which you even dreamt. and even if you think you're editing it and controlling it, you are not because you are along this toboggan ride that Clearly. that moves forward through time and space. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You're in this luge and you are. Have you ever been arrested? Yes. Okay, so I know for me, when I've been arrested, I was arrested a, a number of times. So when you're arrested... You were into human trafficking for quite a few years. I was. I was a human trafficking and human centipede. I was doing both those <laughs> Wow, things. well, that's... It was, that's I, was, I was trafficking in human centipedes, that's, that's, which requires a lot of semi-trucks, a lot of a lot of movement. People say diversify, but they don't really know exactly what that means. Diversify means different things to different people. Exactly. So when you're arrested... It's sort of like you're going through, you start at this tunnel, the tunnel of love, and you don't get out until you're done. Yeah. You, you, know, you, are, you are shot through a system that doesn't regard you or your, your happiness or your well-being at all. No. And there's no, there's no side road. What were you pinched for? Oh, my God. I was, I was, I was busted three times for possession of pot. Um, you're a Bay Area guy or Chicago? Chicago. Always Chicago. Always Chicago? Uh, Chicago, yeah, only Chicago. I've been out here 21 years, so it's the longest I've, I've lived outside of Chicago. Um, but I was busted for possession in Canada, in Chicago, and in Wisconsin. What led to the the arrest? Like, why did they suspect you? Because you were, were you... Uh, we were. Uh, Quetico was fucked up. I mean, Quetico was a, a boundary waters canoe area. It's above it's above Minnesota, so you got and you got to paddle out to customs. Ah. So we oh, were two years in a row. The first year, yeah. yeah, the first year we were there. It's like, oh, they didn't check us. So the second year we got, you know, let's bring some pot. You and it was roll. a different guy. It wasn't like the old man. Now it's like, what do you got? And so he opened up what's called a Duluth pack, which is essentially just a big bag. And he like reached down and was like, what's this? It's like, fuck. And he goes, what were you just weed or what would you? It have? was just pot. It was just pot. And he's like, all right. And I said, do me a favor. Let us talk about this <laughs> and he walked away and we talked it's like okay everybody pitched in on this what are we going to do because i will take i will take the blame for i will take the i will be the one that'll take, You'll the, take the fall i'll take the fall but i'm not going to do it alone You'll take the rap i'll take the rap that's it i'll take the rap but i'm not going to do it alone because i don't want to be on this journey alone right so a friend of mine went i'll go with you I'm like right so then they flew on a royally mounted canadian policeman fucking yeah. plane boat and then those are fun I didn't get to go on oh and then this is the fun part full body cavity search no not to, without being without grossing out your audience uh, how, how intimate does that actually get rubber glove finger up the butt holy mackerel spread your cheeks I want to look up there with a flashlight like what the fuck do you think I'm gonna do? That makes you think like there's the old joke like uh, you, you don't come here to hunt, do you? Like like, like if, if that's if you've chosen that line of work, is it, maybe that's saying like maybe that's just what you're into. I, I, I for me, I believe that that is what that person's into because it feels like man, it was a film canister of pot. 
Yeah. You, it's amazing. I, I did 52 hours in a, in a jail cell. I didn't go to prison or to county. I, I got busted uh, for warrants for traffic stuff. I hadn't paid some fines. I pissed off this angry in, old in judge. In L.A. In L.A. And very fortunately got pulled over for no registration on my car. Because that was, that was my second year of college. I was broke as could be. And I didn't have the money to pay this fine. And they put, they, I didn't know that there was a, a bench warrant out for me. So I luckily was visiting the city where I'd gotten, where that warrant was. If I had been in downtown LA, if I was going to USC, if I had gotten picked up in LA, in South Central, I would have gone to that jail, then to county for probably four or five, six days, then to Whittier where the judge is, then back to county to be processed. And that's, that's eight days easy. I got very lucky. Luckily, got picked up in the town where the what issue was warranted. But was it Whittier? It was Whittier. Yeah, uh-huh. and which is where you're from? Fifty-two hours. Like you know, you know, you're like if you're on stage. Wait, you were in jail for fifty-two hours. Yes. Okay. I I was doing comedy sports at the time, uh-huh. and it was a Saturday morning that I got picked up, which means I can't see the judge until Sunday. Right. I'm sorry, Monday. Monday morning. Right, so I have, right, I'm there right. for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Also, if you're going to get pinched and picked up for something, don't do it on a, early on a weekend because you're going to be there all weekend. What happened to me was for when I was busted in Milwaukee, it was that same sort of thing. Milwaukee. Where Milwaukee, uh, busted in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, that it was the same thing in Canada where I, they let us go they let us go. They we cut our trip short. We had to go to we had to go to Thunder Bay. Come back in the United States. Go back to Thunder Bay. Are you in Turco right now? Or no, it was just I was eighteen. Okay, but the the thing was we the buses were just running to Thunder Bay, Ontario, Friday. So we had to stay. We 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 were homeless for two days, literally sleeping on the streets for two days, and then Monday went to court. But it wasn't in jail for two days and half, right. two and a half days. Um, you know, you, you, I'm you, sorry, one question. Were you by yourself? Yes, all along. Oh, man. Now, when you're on stage and things are going well, like you're doing improv and it's a great show, time disappears because you are in the moment. And the moment lasts forever and and, and takes up no time. So you, when, you, when you walk off the stage, you go, what, do, what just happened? What did we just do? And you remember snippets and bits and pieces like you do of a dream. And you go, oh, that sore throat I had, and that cough that I had, and I, and I, and I oh, I, I forgot that I really had to take a piss before the show. None, nothing matters. It's all one, and it's all just zim, zoom, speeding through that toboggan, right? In jail, time goes real, real slow. And, you, and also, because the lighting never changes, and there's no windows, you don't know what time, you mean, you are, you are aware of what time of day is, because you can keep asking what time of day it is. Yeah. And you think, okay, certainly two hours went by from the last time I asked. No, like seven minutes. <laughs> like, it's just, time goes backwards. Right. What I found fantastic was the cops at the Whittier PD, um, God tortured their souls in turtling, was that they were, they were mean. They were a little bit, in, not inhumane, because it didn't go into the level of torture, but they simply... All humanity stopped. It didn't matter that if, like, they were, I was in with all gangbangers. They were all cholos who got picked up for carrying weapons and for being, or for tagging or for whatever, uh, drugs. And every night, because it was a weekend, a bunch of new drunks would come in. So I had to share, you know, a cell with, with a bunch of lunatic alcoholics. Mm-hmm. They were nicer. They were all better. 
I was getting solid advice about what happens if I do have to go to county because right. there was a chance that maybe I would have to be processed through LA County Jail. Right. And they're like, don't do this, do that. When you get there, there's a homie of mine, me, this guy, like they're, like they're helping me out. Also, I'm vegetarian, so I, I, I had a, a big bologna trade going on because the bologna sandwiches would come. I'm like, who wants more bologna and less cheese? And I, it was just like, I'll take, like, and they're like, get, so they, like yelling from down the cell, like you can kind of see out, like right. you poke your head through the bars. And they go, hey, white boy, white boy. I'm like, yeah. They're like, where you from, man? I said, well, I'm from, I, go, I went to high school in Whittier here, but I, I live in, uh, I was living in Beachwood at the time. So I was like, I live in Hollywood. And they're like, Hollywood! So my nickname was Hollywood. Of course it was. Of course it was. Of course and it was. then they found out that now we're talking because we got nothing to do for, for 52 hours. And, that, and by the way, 52 hours, again, feels like, a month and a half. But did you know at that time that you were going to be there for that long? You I, you, you I knew that the, on the short end, I would see the judge Monday morning. Right. But they also said, if the judge wants to call in sick that day or any other reason, you they, 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 they will free up the jail cell and bus you to county. And then you'll have to wait for the judge to want to see you. And that may be a week, all told. So the, did so, you have a lawyer? No, I was broke. And also, I, 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 I had a chance if I wanted to. It was a $10,000 bench warrant. If I had been able to come up with $1,000, right. I would have gotten out on bail. Right. I didn't have $1,000. I could have maybe asked my dad, which I didn't want to do. Right. How I, old were you? I was, were you I was 19. Right. And Did they wonder where you were? Well, no, because I was a college kid and I lived on my own. Got it. Did anyone? Also, 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 it was the week. Oh yeah, comedy sports did. Right. I, 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 I didn't use my one call to call James Bailey and say I can't, I, I, I can't play Ford Reverse tonight at, at the Tamarind Theater. James Bailey. Of course, that's the one person you got to call. You didn't always. What do you mean? You always called James I, I, Bailey. I, I was ashamed and I thought I can, right. I can stick this out and I'm going to do this, and. If, if I could go back in time, I would have mowed lawns for a year and not spent that time there because mm -hmm. the smells, the sights, the sounds, sure. the thing. So they found out that I did comedy. And I just, you know, for a year or two, had been doing comedy sports right. in Hollywood. And so I'm explaining what improv is to these guys. And they were so fascinated by that. So when we wake up in the morning, they go, hey, Hollywood, you like riddles? These guys were the funniest people in the world. They would tell me jokes, riddle. I'm a man from St. Ives has seven wives. The seven wives have seven... Like, I'm like, this is the greatest. We all got chained arms and ankles. Of course. To go to the courthouse down the road. So we actually had to walk down the main drag. No. Outside. How very silent movie. Yeah, no, no. I, I was Paul Newman all of a sudden. I right. was like, shaking it out, boss. And so I'm with these dudes. They're nice. The cops are assholes. We go into a big holding tank, which is a giant, you know square room with the toilet in the middle right. and all the dudes yeah, come in in the county nice. orange uh, or blues depending on where they came from I think feds were in or blue and the county guys were in orange so some of these guys are going to go away for six years some of these guys are going to get kicked out in the afternoon uh, like they're, they're done some guys are going to do you know a few months and everybody's giving each other what they call love and they're just like you're going to get out and it's six years home they call that they, they say that like, they call that like it's six this is a six year uh uh like a run in jail, right. but you know what? You're good. Like the judge is going to give you love because you're like because you, because you don't have any priors. So you're going to do three years. You you know what? You're going to be with my homies up in Chico, and you're, you're like 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 you're going to be out because like, the jails are getting full, and like they're they're helping people out, and people are crying. It's all fucked up. Wow. And so I had I got we had to walk like six or eight of us arms and ankles down the road, full chain gang.
uh, get to the holding cell. And I have to go meet this judge. And I was going to go meet a judge with one other guy. And he was an old school veterano cholo gangbanger who is, you know, probably, you know, late 40s, maybe early 50s. Old. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, listen, man, this judge is a dick. If he doesn't ask you a question, you don't say anything. Mm-hmm. If he asks you a question, keep your answers polite. And here's what you're going to say when he asks you. You're going to say you're a good kid, and it's, your, it's, your, it's the first day of your second semester at USC. And you should be in school right now. And you fucked up. So when he stood up to talk to the judge, I had to stand up with him. And then when invited the same for me. <laughs> and then he goes, but they're going to give you love, Holmes. And, and, but they're like, but if for some reason he's pissed off at you because you fucked him off about the, you didn't pay the fine. He might just be an asshole and send you to county and process you. And if that happens, and we'll talk about that. And I'm like, diarrhea. Like, my stomach is right. gurgling. Right. So the judge, I say my piece, judge goes, all right, time served. You're, you're free. Like, the, the time served, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm free to go. Uh, I still might be processed through county. So I'm back down in the tank with everybody. For, and Wait, this is essentially just for... Traffic. I had, I had done a comedy. Sh- I had just come back from Chicago doing a gig. I think I was doing a sh- like a show with the Screw Puppies uh, uh-huh. with Joe Bill and right, Sutton right, right. and Furman and thing. yeah. Right. And I think I just come back from there and I had driven back from the airport and fell asleep at the wheel, and I went between two trees and knocked a sign over, and I really should have killed myself because these ch- giant redwoods as big as my crappy little Volkswagen. And I completely threaded the needle and took both of my side view mirrors off, knocked over a sign that said, you know, turn. Right. Because it was a big curving street. And I was so freaked out, I just went home. And that was a misdemeanor hit and run. Because I knocked over a sign that they put at $700. How did they know it was you? Because my car was there. Because my car was destroyed. I was so, yeah. I was freaked out. I know. No, I, I get it. I, oh, a guy comes out of the house. He's like, oh, thank God you're alive. Normally when I hear that sound, someone's dead. And I got, we, we pushed my car to the curb. I called up my friend who lived nearby. And I said, I need to get home. I'll take care of this in the morning. In the, in the morning, uh, there was a warrant for a misdemeanor hit and run. Pay this fine. I didn't have $750. And I let it go. Right. And like I am an idiot. do. Because I am right. an idiot. And I'm no, lazy. But it's, also, it's also, who wants to do that? You were compelled to do it. It's like, oh, you're fucking lazy. It's just like, what I the fuck was it doing? I, I kind of felt like the tie goes to the runner on that one. I didn't die. I should not be punished. Right. For, like, 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 that was a rough, my car is destroyed. My life is in turmoil. I have to somehow get back to to USC. And I was there, USC for people listening are like, oh, that's a rich kid school. I was there on scholarships and financial aid. I didn't have two nickels. No, my, my girlfriend went to USC. I think that she, she got a ride there. There was loads of financial aid back then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. They, as Greg Proops calls it, the Clinton Peace and Prosperity Scare of the 90s. Uh, so, so... But well, here's another thing about it. Hit and run says you injured someone. Or, or it's or, true property. Or prop... Well, yeah, it's property. Certainly property. So when the, we're all back in the tank and everyone's like waiting for the verdicts of you're, gonna, you're all going back to county, you're free to go. The first name they called was Davis and I stand up and the whole, there's probably like 40 guys in there and they all go, Hollywood! And I stood up and I walked the thing and they go, time served, you're free to go. And every one of them fucking came up to me and hugged me. Oh. And the cops looked at me like I was absolute dirt. And, but... I, I walked, my grandmother lived nearby, 
and I, I walked home, but I really felt like in my memory, I flew home. Right. I was five right. feet off the ground the right. whole way. Right, 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 right. So, this you know, it's so interesting about that. It's it's also you were flying off the ground, but you're probably also so fucking hyper aware of everything that was going on the moment that you left. You know, you're free. You're going. There's trees. There's a car. There's some people. Mm -hmm. They're able to go. I'm able to go. We're able to go. And then when you improvise, if you improvise, I'm gonna just bring it back to this. No, when you improvise exactly. and you look at you you when you get up on stage and if you improvise like you were just freed from prison, mm -hmm. then you notice fucking everything. That's a great way to look at that and I think the, the heightening experience of having yourself deprived of color light sunsets uh, daily rhythms and your friends and f the, the little freedoms that you have movement yeah. objects things if, if you if you approached if you walked on stage and thought what if I had just done 52 hours in a Whittier jail cell and came out like I, even if you didn't even like the people you were on stage with, you'd be like, "Oh my god, I love you so oh, exactly, much!" <laughs> exactly, 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 exactly. And and here's another thing: those guys, those cholos, that you know, it, if you're out, you know, if you're out and you see them somewhere, you're gonna have a different feeling about them than than this thing like something. I grew up in L.A. and I, as a kid, Dodger games, uh, Laker games, the funniest people I've ever met include loads of strangers that were just Latino guys that were in gangs. Um, you've never heard shit talk at a ball game. If you want to, if I tell people, that especially if you're a baseball fan or if you're just coming to Los Angeles, let me take you to a Dodger game and let's sit in the outfield in the cheap seats. Right. Cheap. Um, you've never heard trash talk as funny as this. They're real funny. Right. And also, they know all of the players' wives and girlfriends and daughters' names. They also, so cool. they, but also, they're baseball fans, so they know all their stats right. and everything. Like, hey, Mandesi, what's up with Philly last week, Holmes? I fucked your wife. I mean, it's, it's so fucking funny. That's hilarious. Um, you know what I, they also have there? Good food at the Dodger game. Well, as a kid, if you gave me a Dodger dog and the ice cream, that they used to give you a little Dodger uh, batting helmet, and you got the ice cream in the oh. helmet. You got a little sundae. Fuck. But when I was a kid, it was Fernando Valenzuela on the mound, right. and it was groovy. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. We had a Mexican pitcher on the mound, in the heart of a Mexican neighborhood. Right. And I, the only time I've ever had more fun at a ball game, I was doing, remember Quick Wits? Yes. Where I think I met you. Yes. That's exactly where I met yes. you. Yes. We shot this, for those of you who are not familiar with awesome television, we shot the show in Chicago, right. a sketch show. And in LA. We did, yeah, we did do some LA. LA. But originally it was at the WGN, WGN building. It was WBBM. Oh, BBM. It was BBM. But this, but it was sort of like it was like it was like whose line if we whose wrote line it. was wrote it, was it written. it's whose line if you had three days to write your sketches exactly. But it didn't look like you either wrote them or improvised them, so it lived in this horrible limbo of what are we doing? Oh, but it's also Steve Carell was there, right? And Carell like, was there, Leggett. And, and, oh my God, like like I, I just watched them all because I went John Rubano, Joe Liss, right, 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 and and to look at all those people go what. Right. Carell was there. The beauty of that show is I got to meet all you people. Yes. And that was yeah. and, and that's, Jackie Hoffman and all these other absolutely. people. Absolutely. Uh, uh, hey, Ron, Ron West said, Jeff, um, Jeff, you, you, you have to go to see a game at Wrigley Field. Uh huh. And so I got tickets with my friend Chris Dermick, who I was doing the show yeah, with. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. we, one of the world's biggest baseball fans, but we both grew up loving baseball because we're, we, we're little boys in America. Sure. And he grew up, I think, in Pittsburgh, and so he was a big Pirates fan, and I right. was a big Dodgers fan. We went to go see, and we had nice third, uh, first base line seats, and Ron West said, when you walk out and you see the grass for the first time, 
your breath will be taken away. And the ivy. I walked out and saw the green of the grass, and it was a beautiful day. Yep. And Sammy Sosa hit two taters, and there was an air show nearby, so that they, all the planes would do flyovers. And I was six years old the whole day long. Right. Well, i got to say, I, I remember uh, growing up, uh, I'm, I'll be 57 on Sunday, and growing up with a Happy black birthday. and white... Thank you very much. Black and white TV. You had a black and white TV? Wow. So we would watch G- we watch the Cubs. So you, you've been watching the Cubs lose for a very long time. Oh, fuck, man. I remember <laughs> when, when the, the, the amazing Mets in 68, 69, like those, that, that one year that the Mets just took over and the Cubs were like, it was like, what? This is our year. It's like, no, no, no. Fuck it was your them. Year, yeah. I'm sorry. Fuck them. Fuck the Cubs. Fuck the Cubs. You got Last the, year when you, I said, you have to get proofs on your show to talk about baseball. Oh, I will fucking talk to him about it because I, I, gotta, I am, this just fires me. He, he's, he's an encyclopedia. Like, oh my God. Well, here's the thing. Like, I, last year people were saying, this is the year for the Cubs. This is the year for the Cubs. I'm going, shut up. You don't fucking do that because yeah. here's the thing. There's a goat. You're gonna be wrong. You're gonna fuck. You're gonna go. You're getting goat. You got goat meal, dude. So, uh, uh, so back back to the funny cholos. Uh, but let me just do this and then we'll go back to the funny okay. cholos because I just want to hit this. It's like black and white TV. You're watching. You're watching. You're watching the Cubs on black and white TV. You're watching the White Sox on uh, black and white TV. Uh, the South Side. And I remember the first time. My dad took me to a, I think it was a Cubs game, and you go to the, you go to the field, you walk through, you know, you walk through, you walk up, you walk up, you walk up, you walk up, and then suddenly you see it, and then as a six-year-old, whatever the fuck is, you go, it's in color, yeah, and it hits you so strong, and again, that goes that's, back to, that's amazing. It goes back to 52 hours in a Whittier prison, <laughs> and now you're seeing things in what they call in living fucking color, man. man. And then let's go back to the to the cholos in living color. Well, let me. St- I, I forgot when the Cubs were in the uh, went quite far in the playoffs recently. I was out doing a show with Ryan Styles, Greg Proops, and Joel Murray, who is because he's a Murray, their royalty there. Yeah. I think he just threw out a first pitch at one of their games. He also sang the. Uh, oh. I think he sang. He sang. Like, the he, he sang "Take Me Out" like several times. Yeah. He got us whip ass seats for the game when they hit more home runs than any playoff game ever. How many numbers was that? What I, was the number? Do you remember? I, I think it was seven or eight or nine. Like, home I, runs. Every time a ball got hit, it went out. And, and because of the, the wind at Wrigley Field. Or also, the wind I don't even think was that favorable. They were just, everybody was just lighting up the pitchers. Right. So every time a ball got hit, it was going out of the park. Was it the Cubs were lighting up the pitcher or both teams were lighting up pitchers? The Cubs were murdering. The, uh, I think it was uh, cards, right? I think it was the cards. And I think the cards might no, if, not... If they're, if they're kicking ass, we're getting very inside baseball, so to speak, here. Uh, if, the, if the Cubs are beating the cards, the Cubs and the cards are the... It's like the the Giants and the... Oh, hell yeah. Uh, the Giants and the Dodgers. I think the cards ended up winning that series, maybe? I'm, 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 I don't know. We know the Cubs didn't. Yeah. But anyway, that game was like, you couldn't have gone to a better game. And beforehand, we went to a party that the Ricketts threw the owners of the team. Right. Because of Joel. Right. And Proops is there. And I'm talking to these guys, and they've all got rings on. And I don't know who anybody is. No, 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 no. And, and and I, I look at Greg, who's normally really outgoing, super into baseball, very garrulous, really, you know, wants to talk baseball. Right. You can't shut him up about Satchel Page and the Negro Leagues and shit. Uh-huh. Um, he'll give you Negro League stats if they exist. Uh, he, I'm like, I was like, can I get a picture with you? And he's like, yeah. I said, what's your name? And Greg is like, he pulls me aside. He goes, that's fucking Pete LeCocq from the Royals. <laughs> And this is this is so and so like like this guy caught for the oh, for the I Cubs. Oh, I know who Pete Lecoq is. Yeah. I'm like I don't know I don't know who anybody is. Pete Lecoq. What a great name! But here's the what thing. a great name. Pete Lecoq's <laughs> dad 
was a game show host. Yes, he was. Uh, was he Marshall or something like that? Or but uh, yes, uh, but uh, yeah, he was a giant, the ga- fucking giant game show host. Yeah, yeah. He might have been. He wasn't the guy with the long string thing with the ball. The other going, hey, so what are you doing? He wasn't. Uh, but he was a game show host. Yeah, and I, actually, we looked it up and. Uh, Greg knew all this, and I had to find. Oh yeah, it, yeah, right. But of all the names, Pete Lecoq, great Pete fucking name. There's, there's a couple of good baseball names, and one another one is my brother and I used to play this game called All Star Baseball, and another name was John Bacabella. He was on the, the John Bacabella. He was, Fuck. He was a Cub. No, he was Montreal Expo. Oh. He was an Expo. Well, you got Mookie Blaylock. Yeah, uh, Mookie Coco Crisp. I mean, top of that. We also have like beautiful fucking people like Andre Dawson. Like you go, yeah. that's a name and that's a good looking man. That's a good looking fucking man. I, I grew up uh, and, and you you grew up with uh, with Harry Carey. Um, I I grew up with Vin Scully. Mm-hmm. And when I was a little boy playing little league baseball, I thought well, he won't be around much longer, and that's sad. He's still here, he's, and he's still calling games, and he's still amazing. Yep. And yep. he has said some of the funniest goddamn things I've ever heard. So we're out in the, I'm out in the outfield. My friend is a big Royals fan. My friend Chris. He's never been to a Dodger game. He's never been to a Dodger stadium. So we, I said, we have to go sit in the outfield for the shit seats. And you can, you could still sneak in. This is pre-9-11. You could still sneak in a flask if you wanted to have, you know, a little booze on you. So people would bring in, like, thermoses that were clearly filled with... Got it, got like, it, got it. Homemade, you know, yeah, what, yeah. whatever the heck. So we're sitting out there, and we're having a good time. And they're t- all the every time between innings when they're warming up and they're tossing the ball around, all the cholos just talking hilarious shit to the to the outfielders and then when it's over they all still want the ball they want you they, they want you which is great <laughs> you're just an so, asshole so we're sitting like in the middle of an aisle in a row and this giant just banger cholo comes walking down he's looking right at me and he's coming through our row mm-hmm. he's walking down the row and he's looking right at me and i kind of put my hand on my, my friend chris's leg i'm like okay well, i don't know what's about to happen right now mm-hmm. and he goes hey hey man take this and he has me some sunscreen I shorts on. I'm pale, and he goes. My wife is worried about you. You got to put this on. You're gonna burn, Dick. Isn't that great? One more last, 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 last. Also, I went to high school with these guys. They, they I'm like, you're so much funnier than I am. You should be on stage. Mm-hmm. You should be writing plays. Right. You should be right. like, like they're Tom Lehrer at the worst. Right. They could just riff and just freestyle rap and sing the right. funniest lyrics. Right. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. We're at a Clippers game, and this is a long time ago before the Clippers were good. Right. And now they're actually good. Oh, yeah. My brother had really How bad... How times did you go to the Clippers game there'd be nobody there? My, my, my brother had uh, cheap uh, season tickets, so we'd sit way up in the nosebleeds, and there was this bunch of dudes behind us that just kept talking shit. Jason Kidd was on the Suns at the time, and they were going to the playoffs. The Clippers were not going to be in the playoff, the playoffs. It was, this is a meaningless game. And the Clippers are killing the Suns, probably because they're not playing mm. as hard as they might, or maybe they'd sat somebody. The Clippers are killing the Suns. Yes. The Clippers but, are killing. Yeah, but this is a meaningless game because the Suns know they're in the playoffs. So you, oh, okay, so you, okay, so the, the Suns are going, fuck all this, let them win. It, yeah, it didn't seem like that, but like, yeah. why are the Clippers up 30 points? Like, right. <laughs> like, clearly, the Suns are coasting right now because right. let's not sprain an ankle on the way to the playoffs. Right. Jason Kidd is taking free throws, and he does this really disgusting thing. They don't show. Jason him. Kidd is on now. I don't know where he is. Now. What was he on then? He was on the, on, the, on the Phoenix Suns. On the Suns, right? I believe I'm right about that. Okay. He's moved teams a few times. Uh, now, now I think he's not in, uh, not playing anymore. But 
he would do this thing during a free throw. He'd bounce the ball again a third time, hold it, and blow a kiss. And it was a bummer. It was really a bummer. Okay. And the reason why you don't know that is I think TVs didn't want to support that kind of shit. So they, uh-huh. they, they would cut away. They would look at the basket. They would look at the fans. They would, they would not show don't him give do that. that guy they, they might show him the first like ball bounce, mm-hmm. but then they would widen out, and they wouldn't show him do his creepy blow a kiss at the rim thing. And also, I think you're allowed 10 seconds of time yeah. to do that, and the, yeah. and, and the officials are marking that off you know, a second at a time. Yeah. And it took exactly like nine and a half seconds Fuck to do I it because he's an ass. And I don't like that guy, but he had just been in the news for a 911 call from his wife about domestic abuse that maybe he had... I don't know if he was ever convicted, so I won't say that he did it, but there was a 911 call of his wife saying, my husband's kicking my ass, Jason Kidd is beating my ass. The game is over before it's over. Jason Kidd is doing his thing, and a cholo from behind me at Staples Center said something so loud that the entire arena heard it, and including Jason Kidd. And he yells out, Hey, Kidd! While he's bouncing the ball. You can beat your wife, but you can't beat the Clippers! And the whole fucking arena stood up. Everybody stood up. And Kidd's head went, uh, He just sagged and threw up an enormous brick. Right. And my brother turns back to him and goes, What are you drinking? He goes, Bud Light? <laughs> Like, the Bud Lights are on the fucking house from now on, baby. That's uh, funny. I, when you go to a game, it's about, you know, it's that camaraderie. And, and the interesting thing is this. Again, I go back to, on the street, you may look at this one guy and go, what a fucking asshole. But if he's sitting next to you at the ball game... Yeah, you're allies. You're, you're allies. Yeah. You're allies. Or enemies. Or enemies. Or enemies. But, but if you're enemies, you're also allies because you go, this doesn't mean anything. As long as... I mean, some people are just assholes and it has nothing to do with the event. Oh, clearly. Yeah. Clearly. But there's also the guy that sits at the game with the tra- literally a transistor radio and the old headphones and he's listening to the game and all that he wants to do is take score. Yeah. That's all he fucking wants to do. The last Dodger game I went to, in front of me, there was a Norman Rockwell painting of an old man mm-hmm. and a little boy. Like a like grandson or maybe great-grandson. Like, I'm going to say grandson. And they had their score sheets out. And right. they were doing the full box score, the whole yeah. thing. And he was teaching the kid. He goes, no, uh, when it pops up, you, this is how you mark that. Right. And, and this is a ground out. And this is a thing. Right. And I was watching the game through both of their eyes. Because right. this, has got, this guy has probably been coming to ball games. Um before Vince Scully was calling ball games. I was right. like, that's impossible because he was calling for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Um, and this little kid, like, he's learning baseball from this the great... Koufax days. Koufax days, probably. Okay, or, and, and, yeah, maybe even before. You know, like, Jackie Robinson days. This guy was quite old. Right. And just great looking, you know, and just an old-timer. And they, they were just sitting there and really watching baseball. As opposed to the people that sit in the nice seats... And are just there for the oh, prime. They, they get there at third, a third inning, and, and they, they leave in the seventh. seventh. Exactly. Oh. It's a bummer. Oh, but what, when in Chicago, when they're showing a Dodger game, yeah. when GN showing a Dodger game, what they'll show is they'll show people leaving. They'll show people leaving. <laughs> they'll show people getting there late. They'll they'll show the parking lot. This is a, every year. They show the parking lot at Dodger Stadium, and they'll go look at all the people just getting here. It'll be third inning, and then the seventh inning, they'll go here we go, yeah. and then they'll show people leaving. Yeah, we're not the greatest fans in the world. Uh, Dodger fans are unsupportable. There's a lot of great Dodger fans. There's a lot of asshole Dodger fans that give every bad fan. I, I gotta tell you, uh, Lauren and I went to the game last year with a couple of our friends and we had a fucking blast That's there. Great. But I will also say this. I, every game I go to, I still I have every single one. I keep score every oh, game. Oh, you really I do? I keep score every game. I keep score every game. So you're hardcore. Well, here's the thing. It keeps me in the game. 
It's it keeps me paying and attention. And you, know, you, know, you know all the annotation? I know all the annotation, and I do it, and my dad taught me, and I watch other people do it. What's, wait, why is it a backwards K? There's a K and a backwards K. Yeah, there's, back, there's, one that, there's one that's looking, and there's one that's swinging. That's swinging. Ah, there's right. one that's looking, there's one that's swinging. See, I love this. So that's it. You, then you'll dig this. At the end of that game with the old man and the young boy in front of me keeping score, it was bottom of the ninth and tied... And is it Kemp, uh, Dodger player uh, Kent Kemp? Like, I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm not this knowledgeable. Well, but Jack Kemp was a senator. No, so it wasn't that. <laughs> What's, what the hell was his name? Anyway, there's a there's a guy on on there's a Dodger on third base, and he's he's the winning run. Uh huh. And I forget who's at bat. And I don't know who's pitching, and or even what team they were playing. And we're watching it, and the pitcher box, <gasps> but it was the subtlest. Balk in the world because uh-huh. there's, there's lots of balking is a weird nebulous balking thing. Is, uh, for those of you who don't know, balking is where the pitcher looks like he's about to. Sw- it looks it's like, like if, you, about if you start your forward motion, you right. have to continue the forward motion. Exactly. But there's different ways to balk, I think. Right. Anyway, I, I've pitched as a, as a kid, so I um, th- those rules are kind of just DNA. In here. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what was, what was awesome was that I instinctively stood up and pointed at home. And so did the old man in front of me. And so did about six hundred people around around the thing. The, 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 pe- the people that like, like the, everybody points at home, and the umpire looks, and and the, the runner on third is pointing at home, and the ump looks at, around at the other officials and goes, and he points at home, and the place goes berserk. Now, I would say more than half, 70 percent of the people are like, what just happened? Exactly, right, right, a walk off balk. A walk off balk. A walk off. And, and, and I said, I wish I had the radio on to hear Vince Scully calling that, because what is he going to say about that? So I went home and recorded it, or like I, I, I managed to record the game to hear his call, and he goes, "That's a walk off balk. The last time that happened was, <laughs> and he, he, he knew exactly the last time a Dodger. But listen to the phrase, walk off balk. That's did. a. Yeah. Fucking good phrase. Yeah. It's like Pete Lecoq. Pete Lecoq. If Pete Lecoq had a walk-off bop, we would hear. Pete Lecoq had a walk-off bop. Oh, oh. Those are warm-up words yeah. that you yeah. say before. Exactly. Pete Lecoq. Yeah. Red leather, yellow leather. Pete Lecoq had a walk-off red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. No, if Pete Lecoq ever walked off with a bop, that would be because Jupiter, Saturn, Venus. Everything aligned. And I knew. But another thing that you notice about that, and it goes back to the idea of 52 hours and then noticing those things, is. We're so hyper aware of what it is that we're doing. You're hyper aware. You're really looking so that, and and you know what it's like when you're in an improv scene with somebody and they make a move and you go, I just changed you. I just got you. I just fucking got to you just in that moment. It's a kinesthetic response that somebody has. And the moment that he does that, because he, the pitcher had that movement because he felt he was inspired by something that the batter did. Or no, the, the, it was the runner was doing this crazy right, dance on third, right. and, he, and he freaked him out. Right. So the runner made the pitcher have a the runner made the pitcher have a kinesthetic response. The runner's doing his fucking job, yeah. making the pitcher go crazy. The runner made the pitcher have a kinesthetic response, which made everybody yeah. in the whole place go what? Not everybody, but thirty percent of the people go that him that happened. Yeah. And when you notice shit on that. Sort of a level, you're so fucking alive. Yeah, the, the improv is the weirdest thing to have, to have lucked into being a part of, uh, because there's moments where you could be doing a corporate gig that you're just not feeling, and then something magical happens. 
Right. And you're with people like, you know, you work with people that you love and know deeply and well, or you work with strangers that you've never worked with before and something magical happens. Right. Or you work with people and, and like, and you're like, oh, we blew that one. Like we missed that one. Right. And like something. Collectively we missed it. Yeah. Something wasn't quite there. But my, my favorite moments in improv aren't the ones that I was a part of. It's the ones where you get to watch them. Oh, where, where you're sitting on the stool uh, in the back. And something magical happens, and you turn to someone next to you and go, what was that? And what you, was that? You have witnessed a lot of fucking awesomeness, doing it yourself as well, and also watching, I'm going to say national treasures, but they're also international treasures because there's some Canadians, uh, but watching international treasures. Ryan and Colin, world. When, I, when, I, when I first got asked to do, I, I, I was on Who's Line back in the old Drew Carey days, towards the end of that. And then I got, they started getting asked to do big, like, personal appearance Vegas shows and, awesome. and things. And so I just sneaked into that one, which is, that's where the luck comes in. Because as you know, like, improv is an unpaid sport by and large. You know, it's, yeah. you, just, it's, you do it because you must and love it. And Right. But for those people, but there are certain people that will do that for the love of it. And then what ends up happening is, and I don't, I'm not saying this in a negative way, that, that fine, um, the fiduciary thing comes in where somebody looks at it and goes, I like what you're doing and I think that a lot of other people would like what you're doing um, and you're doing it for the love of it and I'm feeling the love of it of what it is that yeah. you're doing and so you know what, I think that I can make it so that we make money on this. I, I am all for that. Let's always make money doing what we love. <laughs> but, the, but here's the thing, I love, but you know this, you know this is better than most people in that if you go into it saying, and this isn't what you're saying, but if you go into it saying, I'm not going, we do it for the love of it, mm -hmm. without thinking, wait a minute, I can also do this for the pay of it. Right. How do we fucking do that? But if you don't open yourself up for the fiduciary uh, opportunity, mm -hmm. why? See, I've, I've never had a business mind at all. I'm, I'm the least ambitious and the least business minded well, you person. you don't, you're not catering. You're not driving an Uber. You're doing something with the Jeff Davis brand. Well, I, again, I, it's I, I, it's hard to 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 claim any uh, responsibility for how lucky I got by I I had I auditioned for Whose Lens Anyway for three and a half years. I know exactly what you're talking about. The, you might have been the first one I went uh, to. You know what? I auditioned for Whose Line Is It Anyway like every fucking year. I would go, down. the first one I went to, I went with Wayne Brady because we, we, we knew each other mm -hmm. and he got it. And, right. I, and, and I, I was cut first round. For those of you who don't know what the Whose Line audition process is like, it's like a chorus line but longer and less fun. Right. Uh, it's a winnowing down and you're... And you watch up. your heroes get cut. Right. Oh shit. All of the guys from Kids in the Hall just got cut. Right. And I'm still Joe got cut. Yeah. And you go, what the fuck? So I'm in there. The first, I got cut first round the first time. And Dan Patterson walked up to me and said, Jeff. Dan Patterson is a producer. The, of, the creator and producer of, of, of Who's Line from right. England and, and, and to this day. Right. And God bless him. Uh, he's a fantastic guy. And he's the reason why the show is a success because he is a micromanaging. He, improvisers won't make a good TV show because we're too hippie and loose. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> you need yeah. someone who goes, no. 
camera, your your camera too, and hoe down, Jeff. Right. Like you right, need that. Right. Right. And the thing is, like, and again, that goes back to the fi- the fiduciary part of it, where you, you go, yeah. we're going to take this beautiful thing that you're doing, and we're not saying don't do those other things, but don't do them now. And as much as me and Ryan and everybody, and Greg and all of us, were like, I wish, why can't, they, why do the suggestions have to be so layered on, and why can't we just go out there and improvise? Because if we did that, it probably wouldn't be a TV show. Like, Absolutely. You need that guy. Well, to do Ron it. West and I were writing challenge rounds for the British Who's line. Is that right? And, and Dan would send us things. Ron saying, West is the reason why I'm here right now. Ron West, is uh, he got me the audition for Who's line. Oh, that's awesome. The first one. And w- didn't get it. Every year they'd bring me in. And I would then I started going to the final four every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of 80 people. Right. You're there for four, five, six hours. Right. And you just cut. You, you go. You, 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 go. You stay. Right. You, 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 go. You stay. Right. And I kept going to the end. I did it five times, or four times. The fifth time, I wasn't going to go. And I told... Why like, weren't you going to go? Because I wasn't funnier. I, I, I felt like I kept going to the end because they wanted a tall... I mean, this is cynical of me. But it's like, I'm not getting any funnier than the what I was last time. They like me, clearly, because I make it all the way to the end. And I feel like they're using me and a couple other people as, like... Analogs for Ryan and Colin and the other people that are on the show. Right, right. So they can find a new person. Right, right. And they had enough tall, skinny, white people on the show. Right. So on the fifth one, I went in. It was very hot outside, and I had one vintage mod suit that I loved. That was quite broke, being evicted and all that jazz. And it was 90,000 degrees in L.A., and I said, I'm going to wear my suit like I was going on a date, and I had longer hair. And when I walked in and they saw my suit and I had shaggy hair, the look in their eyes was, oh, you're hired. Like, you look different. I wasn't any better. See, but that's the whole thing. If you come, and you know this to be true, if if you're in L.A. and you're going, I'm doing the best I can, I'm doing the best I can, and and I'm not getting anything, it has nothing, very likely it has nothing to do with your art. Or your ability, or you, or anything. No doubt about it. I I think I booked that show because they knew what I could do, and I looked different than Brad Sherwood for the first time. Like, I didn't wear, (laughs) I didn't wear uh, khakis and an unbuttoned button-down shirt. Right. I mean, a button-down shirt. I think the rule probably would be don't look like Brad Sherwood. I think that's that's the rule. Very safe advice. Don't look like Brad Sherwood. Um, No, that that idea of just coming in and knowing just keep fucking, but you didn't stop. You just keep doing what you're doing. I didn't want to go in Jonathan Mangum, our friend, yes. um, who has known Wayne Brady from from Orlando back in the yes. day, he didn't go to that audition. He didn't. He said, "No, fuck you guys. I'm, right. not, I'm not doing this." Well, again. I got to tell you, it aggravated the shit out of me. And I had, and I've talked about it on the podcast before. I've had, I, I had when they were in L.A. or Chicago or something doing auditions. I called up my agent. like, "Get me an audition. I'm going to go again." Yeah. And she called, and she called back, and she goes, "They know who you are." Uh, they know who you are. Now, can I, I tell you? That, oh, yeah. I, I forgot. The, 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 one of the main reasons I got the, I got cast on Who's Line. Delia Frankel was the casting director, and they had gone through a few casting directors over the three and a half years I had been auditioning for the show. And I'd known Delia from other auditions, but I, I was not working on anything. Right. I was brand new. She came up to me outside the room, and she goes, Jeff, can I give you some advice? Uh-huh. I'm like, yes, you can. And she goes... Don't walk and talk. It's on camera and they need to edit it. So if you, like, never say something while standing up. Right. Never say something while crossing. Cross, say it. Point, shoot. Um, So deliver your joke while you're standing perfectly still or sitting down perfectly still because they need to know 
that they have it on clean on one camera. And if you're crossing, they don't. You know what's so interesting about that? And so when I was in the audition, I, I noticed them. I would just go, I would do my hack freeze tag joke or my hack prop joke. You know, like, was like oh, Scotty, beat me up. I'm like, the fuck I'm doing. Horrifying, terrible yeah. thing. But I was stationary. And I could see all of the producers physically, their shoulders and their necks go like, relax. And they right. go, we can, we can edit that guy. I, I teach in, and when I teach, I teach don't walk and talk. Stand. When you're motivated to move, fucking move. Stand and deliver. And, and because I think that, that there's something theatrical about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that we forget that it's all about theater and whose line is a movie. It's a scene from a fucking movie. Do we have time for me to pay, like how much time do we have left? Oh, you, as many times as about 12 oh, minutes. Okay, great. Uh, I, I want to say, as I was, Watching Ryan Stiles and Colin Mockery work together, you know, we do short form. We do vaudeville. Who's we? Like, uh, who's line? Got it. Comedy sports. Got it, right. That's where, I mean, I was trained in the vaudevillian style of improv, where it's joke, 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 joke. Not lots of character development, not lots of story arc. Be funny fast, be funny now. It's it's rate of fire and hopefully accuracy. Mm -hmm. But you don't get the beautiful payoffs of long form where things can build and crescendo mm-hmm. and then climax right uh, you don't really get those it's more just about drop your pants break the glass do the thing right uh, and that's a certain style uh, and that's what whose line is and I love it I also I, 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 I'm more satisfied if I do better if I do good long form but when you can do both there's something beautiful about what's it. great about Ryan and Colin is that they almost look like they're doing long form when they're not and they did a thing uh, when I was in Vegas, I was sitting, it was a hundred of us, it was Drew Carey and this giant thundering herd, which proves always calls the Preakness, because it's like the, the, lar- the largest starting field of any improv show in the world. There's just too many of us on mm-hmm. stage. So you're sitting there, you get to watch a lot, and Ryan and Colin did a sound effects where they brought somebody up to make the, the noises. And they were like two cowboys. And they did a little bit of... They were performing two cop. They were doing... Yeah, they, they, yeah. the scene is, right. it's the Old West and right. whatever. And it was simply about, we have to go into that town and do whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. They did a piece of physical humor that was so simple, so subtle, so natural, so logical, that you, like, it was like rolling off a log. It was, I, I was on stage watching it, and I got nervous. I go, why am I out here? I don't even know what they just whoa, did. Whoa, 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 whoa. Right? And, and I shot a look over at Proops, and he gave me a look of horror. And I was like, and after the show, we're like, Greg, like, you know, he's having a cigarette, and I'm having uh-huh. a whiskey, and he goes, what was that? Oh. And I go, I, 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 I lost my cool. I'm like, I, I have to sing a song after this, and I don't really think I belong in the pitch with these assholes. Right, <laughs> right. And right. it was so funny and so delicate. And not like it wasn't like, a Celtic knot. It wasn't some intricate shit. It was like, oh, I. Every, anybody should have thought of that, but nobody would have. If you were an alien watching this from some beamed, you know, teleca- you know, broadcast, and you didn't speak English, and the sound was off, and you didn't know that beings had two arms and two legs, you still would have laughed at it. That's how essentially funny it was. And I was like, okay, I'm on stage with Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb right, right now, and I. Right. Yeah, I, the, I don't need to get out there. 
I really it's so interesting because that is exactly what that's what I was talking about like those national international treasures where you're looking to go I don't know how the fuck you think it's watching yes. it was watching Tina Fey perform for the first time where you go you're you're I've never seen that what the fuck is happening yeah exactly when I auditioned for uh, when I auditioned and met Carell at this audition at the Organic Theater in Chicago I watched him audition I thought at the same thing where you go if that's what it is what the fuck am I doing when I can't get out on Quick Wits when he and uh, when Carell and Rubano were doing a thing together and he Carell just yelled something not un- unscripted at Andy Matheny, the host. Yeah. And it was a absolute neutron bomb. It was so funny. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm out of my out of my league. I don't belong here. Right. Fuck these guys. Right. It's uh Right. The first time on stage where I made Ryan break, when I made him laugh, mm-hmm. I was like, that's like winning a gold medal. Right. Because he I I worship deadpan people because I break kind of easily. I worship the people that can hold it right endlessly, and Ryan, Chip Eston and I, whom I adore, now he's a famous country singer on Nashville. But like we've done a million songs and shows together, and you know because he was on the old English Who's line, and we toured together a million times. We came up with this theory of what Ryan is doing and why we love certain improvisers, why they become treasures. Right. I'm as people have been listening know I'm a chatterbox. I talk fast and stammer and stutter and I love I won't shut up uh, Chip is a Broadway energy he, he'll he do a backflip like he, he's just he's hulky and he's hunky and he'll just dive into the audience and break a sweat and like we chip teeth break bones well, I've murdered myself on stage many times because I'm not as funny as Ryan right. and Chip and I are like here's what Ryan does it's mathematically the ratio of laughter to calories expended. <laughs> his uh, volume of laughter to how small the amount of calories he burns while doing it. That's what you aim for. If you could be funny with a sideways glance of just your right. eyeballs. Right. On a giant stage where people only saw your eyes move. Right. And you can get a haymaker laugh. What better way to make a living than that? It goes back to what you're saying about uh, the casting director giving you that note of just be still. Mm-hmm. Focus it. And focus it. And and I totally agree with what you're saying about Ryan. Because when I think about Ryan, I don't I think about him just standing mm-hmm. and giving a look like a giraffe. I think about him being a giraffe. And and to go, what the hell is that supposed to mean? And then cross and then go, I went on a divorce. Exactly. But also while he's crossing, that's in in our in our terrible little short form world where nothing gets to build, a cross is your build. Yes. And then when you when you walk there and then you that, that's that's the fuse being lit. Yes. And when, you, and when you say the line, that's the bomb going off. Absolutely. And he's very aware of doing it. Okay. So there's an intentionality to it that I think any any young artist of any kind is going to go. Well, I just got to do this and this is this thing. No, baby. Every fucking move you make leads up everything you do. That matters. It fucking matters. The, I don't really like going out and seeing improv unless I really, really know I'm going to love it because right. it can be hard. Yeah. But the, the hard part is when it's great. Like I went and saw Beer Shark Mice years ago mm-hmm. and, and I was like, I don't want to watch this because it, it makes me feel like I'm bad at improv because they're doing things I can't do. Oh my God. And it's, it's torture sitting there because like if I was on stage, I might be able to swing with those guys. Mm-hmm. But sitting in the audience, you're not standing up. You're not ready to go. Right. Did you ever take an improv class early days? 
when you're just learning? Yes, of course. And like, who wants to go up first? And you wait? That's a mistake. Get the fuck up. Get up quick and get it out of the way. Because if you sit there and watch four people be funny and four people die, you're gonna like, like you're gonna make yourself miserable. I just stand up and be shitty quick. I saw a show. <laughs> so we saw a show called The Reckoning. Uh, which had Brad Morris in the show, and it was really a great show. Who was it? Brad Morris was in it. Uh, Eric Honeycutt was in it. Um, a few other people were in it. And then after that was a show called The Cook County Social Club. And it's these three guys, and I have never seen them before. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen them before. And young guys, and I hated them because they were so fucking good. And you go, you guys are fucking heaven I didn't hate them obviously I love them but it was like watching it going here we go everything every, we're in good hands baby shit is being taken care of down the line but also what's, when it gets really scary is when like they're doing something that's just not me like there are three different human beings up there mm-hmm. um, I am not exactly that guy or that girl true I would I would have said something and done something completely different so right. then you feel like oh shit like I'm no good no 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 it's like you're just a different thing that's a whole thing there too is to say you're just a different thing like if you watch if I watch Robert Duvall act because I think he's one of the greatest actors alive and certain ever it's demoralizing because you're like oh Jesus Christ like he that was take one Right, it, it, network when he freaks out, I was like, "Like we got a big ten hit!" And like, he's what, doing who are you talking about? John uh, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. I asked a friend of mine that worked in the Not film. Not Robert Duvall. Uh, Robert Duvall. Yes, Robert Duvall. Yes, yes Robert Duvall. I, 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 I love that. I love the movie oh Network. I love Robert Duvall. He's a terrifyingly good actor. And I asked a friend of mine that worked on, like, I think it was like his first job was like Sidney Lumet's assistant. Uh-huh. And I said that that scene when he freaks out and fires William Holden and like loses right. his shit. I go. And he jumps at the camera. The camera actually goes out of focus for a second because he's just freaking out. I go, take take what? Take 10, take 15, take 20? He goes, take one. I'm like, fuck you! <laughs> I, just, I, just wa- I just watched that movie. I just watched it. That is, that is my favorite movie, by the way. Network is one of my favorite Network movies. Network might be just top one or two. For I me. totally agree. And I just showed a scene. Um, I was working with these two people, and we're, there, and we're talking about holding. Just holding. Again, going back to just sitting and holding. When William Holden goes... His name even has Holden in I know, he's Holden, man. He's Holden. Are you Holden? So he's Holden. Uh, so when w- William Holden is sitting there and uh, his wife, Beatrice Strait... Oh, who gets the who got best, best, best point actress, for two scenes. Okay, two fucking scenes. Two scenes. And only Shirley, Shirley does anything in one of them. Which is oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but she's sitting at the fucking table. He's sitting at the table. Oh. They are holding. They are being in that moment. It's murder. And here's a thing that, that we go back to... Um, uh, patience and sitting and being patient and uh, where, where Ryan is just standing and he's not doing anything William Holden is sitting there Beatrice Strait is saying well do you love her? do you love her? do you love her? and he just goes or he'll, she'll say she, in this scene because I know the scene very fucking well um, so what do you, so what uh, say something she says say something say something anything, yeah. and he goes anything say something anything and he just sits for a moment and he goes, I don't know what to say. And you go, you fucker, you fucker, you fucker, you yeah. fucker, you fucker. And and to watch to watch network and the patience and the Ned Beatty in that scene, you are you're you're the you have 
Remember? The forces of nature, Mr. Beale. And in that scene, so again, let's go back to this long fucking table. Yeah. He's at one end. Uh, Finch is over there. Yeah, yeah, like just looking up. Beautiful scene. The, the, he, he electronically closes the shades in the room. Know that scene. And he electronically closes the shades in the room. And suddenly it's like, okay. And there's drachmas and there's these dollars and these dollars and petrodollars and all this sort of thing. You and you go that fucker built. You know what he? I've I've heard that what he was. Someone said, why did you think that you could do that scene that way, that monologue that way? That the forces of nature and you will atone. Like that's a different movie. He's in a different movie. He is in a different movie. And someone said, why? What? What was your? Why? Why did you do it like that? And he goes, right before I did it, I said, I'm going to be a cello. So he played it like a cello. Uh, someone find if I'm making that up, but that that like he goes, I I needed to do something different. Uh, that movie. It, uh, now back to improv and and holding and control. I saw a, like kind of early days of Improv Olympic West. Are we are we okay on time? No, we're, we're fine on time. Okay. Uh, Neil Flynn. Yes. Who was 90, 90 feet tall and he's yes. great, great looking and he was up there and there was a it was a disparate group of youngsters and oldsters and you know people that had been around and some of the kids that were new mm-hmm. and he was in a scene with a, a younger improviser who wasn't feeling it like he was pushing too hard really pushing came into every block uh, out of every block started I mean, lights came up with him in every goddamn scene and he was really like not, he wasn't being a ball hog he was just overly energized and nervous not listening yeah not looking and listening you know and as Dan O'Connor brilliantly said he was like I come from the school of the improv school of pointing and shouting (laughs) 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 go ahead so 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 this guy comes out and he just does this tsunami of talking oh Dan you always do this and I I I I come up from school and Neil just stands there like a fucking graven image and he's just 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 stands there and looks at him. He's not mugging. He's just looking at the guy. And he's gonna let that wave break, hit the shore, and recede. And it goes on forever. And the guy's gonna like he's not, it's not working. So he's gonna keep the, the kids doing yeah, isn't working. The kids like he's gonna keep drilling until he strikes oil, and it's just, just there's no oil down there. And he just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And the audience is like, oh, just shut the fuck up. And Neil's just. Like listening because he's the father in the scene. This is the kid, and he's freaking out, and it goes on for ages. And finally, the guy runs out of steam, runs out of breath, and and, and yeah, the end. Like that, so there. And Neil says, "Go on." <laughs> no, 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 he goes. He goes. But th- then what happened? And it was a riot. And the kid was just like, put his head in his hands, just like a. You fucker. I really hope, I really hope, I really hope that that kid, or that, that person who was in the scene with, with, with Neil, stopped and went, oh, oh, look what I did. That I kid, did that. That kid's name? Vince Vaughn. No, I don't know. That kid's name? Yeah. Oh, we did. We talked about Vince Vaughn. Uh, uh, I remember Vince Vaughn once gave me notes on how to be an improviser. Of course he did, because he's a domineering Oh, uh, my God. We don't have time for my Vince Vaughn story. No, 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 no. I want to go back to to Ned Beatty. Um, 
Brian Cox, not the British Brian Cox. There's another Brian Cox who was in Deliverance. I think that was his name. Okay, yeah. Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox. Yes. Right. Ronnie Cox came to Second City and he was doing. Ronnie Cox, by the way, played. No, 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 no. He was the guy that actually played that song in right. Deliverance. Did he write it or just he just he played it. Yeah. Uh, he was the one. They named okay. mouth. He, like he was the guy. Apparently did it. But I said, what was? Who's the best actor? He came to Second City and he goes, Ned Beatty is by far. Hands down, the best fucking actor that I have ever worked with in my life. But when you look at the shit that he's done. Yeah. But Network, everybody's great in that movie. Yep. And I love the fact that, uh, what's the actress's name that wins Best Supporting? Uh, Beatrice Stray. It, it's one of the greatest cinematic moments of like, you can win, uh, uh, they, they'll, just about they'll give you an Academy Award if you do one monologue perfectly. Right. And Duvall didn't get it, and and or Finch got it posthumously. Right, he got Best Actor after he died. Yes. He died just after they finished it. Right? Yes, I think he died after it came out. Yeah, like six months after. Yeah, yeah. but, but, but yeah. in between that and the yeah. and the award. Yeah, but holy mackerel, and Faye Dunaway, whom I don't like in everything, she's perfect. In she's that fucking one. perfect. She's perfect. Yeah, she, she's she, perfect in that movie. There's just so many scenes in that movie where where she's like where she's fucking losing it, and then the and then the ancillary characters who are in that as well, who are who are the the, the Black Panthers oh, that yeah. are in that movie, and we're really talking yeah. inside baseball, but the Black Panthers <laughs> that are in that movie, and uh, uh, what's her name? She has this beautiful name. She's an actress, Francesca. She has a she's a large woman, red hair. She does a lot of television, but anyway, she is in that movie, and she like. The, the fucking little scenes and here's another thing about that one scene with Beatrice Strait if you ever get a chance to watch when you get a chance to watch it again mm -hmm. look at the set the way that the set is put together I could, that, I could, I could draw you that kitchen and, and then the doorway when, 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 when okay great now next time you watch it go to the um, the, the light switch uh -huh. and look at the you know that that panel that you know you get the light switch and then you screw in that that plate the plate, the plate. Yeah. I don't know why I noticed this the plate has fingerprints around it like it's been worn it has dirt like it's been worn oh. and it's fucking I, and, and it's such a little thing Jeff it's such a tiny fucking little Sydney thing. Lumet and Patty Shayesky working together is the greatest goddamn thing in the world and and the monologue Duvall when he's doing the uh, we, like, we got a big hit, we got a big tinted hit, yeah. it really doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I want you out of his office by noon, or have security throw you up. Right. And when he sits down, he does this weird thing where he almost puts his head back on. He goes, yeah. Mm. Like he's putting a skull cap oh back my on. God. And they they look over and they, they show the daily of that to uh, Chayefsky, and like he changed your monologue like mad. Like he transposed lines. Like the, the ending was the beginning, and this and that, and and, and Chesky goes, tell him I wrote it. <laughs> like, oh, like when I accept the award, say I wrote that. <laughs> My job is just to get Duvall out there and freak out. Well, but, but when you watch that, because I know that scene very well, when you watch that fucking scene, yeah. you go, this guy isn't. He's he's firing loud, but not necessarily holding. That, that on moment when he leaps out of focus, he comes at, towards camera, right. at, at holding his off camera, right, and there's a moment of blur. And I go, I love they kept that in because that meant, that's how good that take was. Absolutely. Absolutely. God damn it. I watched that movie. That movie came out. I watched it at the Eden's Theater in Chicago. Remember it clearly. 
watched it. It was so loud. Seventy seven, eight. What was it? I, I it was probably seventy seven, seventy eight. I don't you know. know. I, but but we we went to see it and it was sold out. And the only seats they let you in were in the front of the front row. So I was sitting on the floor. Yeah. I'm eighteen or seventeen years old, sitting on the fucking and you floor. Have, and that baby screaming at you. I'm watching this thing. <laughs> and I'm going. This is the most unfucking believable thing I've ever oh seen. My God. And it's one of those things again where you go, okay, let's talk about Ryan and Colin and Greg and all that and and, and Wayne and talk about all those people what is it that why is it that we look at them as natural as, as the treasures that they are because they are aware of what they're doing they're present they're in the moment and they're in their here and, and here's another thing they were that kid that talked too much in the yeah, Neil Flynn scene possibly they were that oh, kid you know what Ryan never was I've asked people that knew him forever they're like he was always that funny god damn it <laughs> god damn it god damn it I think Colin found out who Colin Mark is because Colin is just it Colin is right brain uh-huh. Colin says the most abstract bananas bonkers shit and he absolutely adheres to it Mm-hmm. He'll just say something that's just a series of strange ass concepts and believe it with a hundred percent of like sincerity. And you're right. like, God, it's that easy? Is it that easy? So what is it that he's doing? So what he's doing, he's just he's just being. Colin doesn't. Colin has learned that it doesn't matter what you say. Right. It simply matters that you say it as quickly and as honestly and sincerely. As you let's can. go back. He's Yul Brynner. I, I I told Wayne because when you do a Who's Line taping. Hilariously, they will send Danny Breen or somebody up to your room uh-huh. with a with a laptop and say, "Just uh, just in case that we play this other game, Dan wants to make sure that you know this game." Dan Patterson. Yeah, I'm like, all right. And the clip sometimes will be me. I'll be in the clip. I'm like, yes, I know how to play that game. That's me from ten years ago doing that game. Um, one time they showed me Wayne in a scene where Wayne is just doing this ridiculous amount of energy and commitment mm-hmm. and freaking out in the audience. And it's like he's like having a like a he's, I think he's demonically possessed or whatever. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, it's Michael Jackson, it's it's Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly level a- athleticism, right. and energy, and focus, right. and commitment. It's not sloppy, it's not scattershot, it's so precise, and it's right. mania. I, I went to Wayne, and we're doing like the kind of the, like the walkthrough camera rehearsal, just you know, it's like this, this game, make sure you, this is your camera here, and that. Uh, and I said, Wayne, I, I watched this clip of you playing this certain game where you were doing this scene. And he goes, I said, it blew my mind, man. And I've known Wayne for a thousand years. Right. And I go, your level of commitment, I'll never have. And he goes, Jeff, he goes, that's what I do. He goes, that's why I'm on the show. <laughs> like, he goes, my thing is I do commitment. Right. I go, I don't have that commitment. Like, I live in the nether regions between Ryan and Wayne where I can be big. But I wish I could be as small as Ryan. I wish I could be as big as Wayne. I wish I could sing like Wayne. I wish I could be as abstract and completely unfiltered as Colin. Um, Wayne told me something years ago, like right when he became a regular on his line, like he was now a made man on that show. Right. Um, he said something I thought was one of the coolest, most self-aware, awesome lines about like just knowing who you are. He goes, Jeff, I realized who I am. I go, who are you? And he goes, I'm the black Danny K. And I went, oh, we need a black dick. First of all, we need Danny K. Right, right. But, but right. we need a fucking black Danny K. And, <laughs> he goes, I'm a song and dance man. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you are, man. That's so great. Because the world has been living without one for too long, and that's why you're here. Right. Great. Let's stop there. That all was right. fucking awesome. What a pleasure, man. Oh, you're telling me. 
So for all you kids out there, one sure way to make it on Whose Line is not to dress like Brad Sherwood. You got that? Not that there's anything wrong with Brad's wardrobe. He's a very sharp dresser. Thanks for the pointer, Jeff Davis. Here's a list of my workshops. Details at DaveRizowski.com. As always, I'll be at our Hollywood drop-in when I'm in L.A. Interested in what I teach? AK Studios, Wednesdays 4 to 7. Two spots left for April 15th to the 17th. You workshop at the Wilma Theater in Philly. May 6th through the 8th, I'll be in Bozeman, Montana, teaching workshops at the Verge Theater. May 13th through the 15th, I'll be back in San Francisco at the Pan Theater for one night, two days, and a guided show with David Wazowski. That's me. ADD Comedy with Dave Rosanski is produced by Laura Parker and me. Like our show? Give us some love on iTunes, won't you? Send questions and comments to dave at addcomedy.com. Thanks, and we'll hear you in our ears.